Welcome to the HR Chat Podcast, bringing the best of the HR, talent, and leadership communities to you. For more episodes and the latest articles covering what's new in the world of work, visit hrgazette.com, subscribe and follow us on social media. Welcome to another episode of the HR Chat Show. I'm your host today, Bill Bannum. And in this HR Chat, we're going to look at the economy, the jobs market, and ask, are we talking ourselves into a recession? My awesome guest today is David Garrett, Customer Success Manager and Economic Researcher over at Jovio. David holds a BA in Economics and Philosophy and a Master's Degree in Economics from the University of Texas in beautiful Austin. His passion for labor economics and mechanism design led him to the programmatic advertising space where he solves real world problems for his clients through a combination of market analysis and consultation. David also works closely with the senior management, performing extensive investigations on macroeconomic trends in key markets to ensure that Jovio continues to meet the needs of an ever-changing global labor market. And by the way, if you enjoyed this conversation that I have with David today, you can check out more recent episodes featuring members of the Jovio team over on the HR chat feed. Hey, David, it's my pleasure to welcome you to the show today. Thank you very much. Yeah, no, I'm very excited to be here. It's very cool to be a part of this. So listeners, I'm really excited about today's conversation because like loads of you out there, I would imagine I'm really confused as to what the heck's going on right now with the economy uh, because in some ways it looks like things are, are pretty good it looks like jobs are being created and money's being spent and all the rest of it but but in other ways it looks like we are perhaps already in a recession in many, in many countries or or certainly things are going to get pretty tough over the next year but maybe not and that's the point and that's a big reason why we've got David on today so let, let's get into let's get into this really rather important conversation that we're having today. Uh, the, the U.S. economy has shrunk for the second quarter in a row as we record this interview in uh, earlyish August. Things are very confusing, and this is a milestone that many countries would be in many countries it would be considered an eco- economic uh, recession. The the contraction at an annual rate of 0.9% in the three months up to July has drawn widespread attention as worries about the economic situation and the economy grows. But there again, the US government is saying that it's not measuring things quite like that. It's not that simple. It's mm-hmm. not just about two quarters of contraction there, David. So um, yeah. my first question for you is, should we be worried? I think some concern is definitely warranted, but I really don't know if conditions, at least in the US right now, are sufficient enough for people to start losing sleep over it at this point, right? There's still, you know, a ton of uncertainty in the global market and worldwide central banks are struggling to kind of balance efforts to fight inflation that we've, you know, drastically seen rise up as well as minimizing their fallout for the economies that were kind of just starting to really recover from the COVID pandemic. By doing so and raising interest rates, they're definitely increasing borrowing costs for businesses and consumers. But this also comes at the cost of slowing economic growth. The current landscape is also particularly complicated just because there's so many global macroeconomic factors going on that are not really within one country's control. The pressures on the central banks of these countries to raise their interest rates has kind of put them somewhat into like a a, a currency war, for lack of a better term, which naturally with the dollar's dominance within the global market, 
has caused a lot of shocks in the foreign exchange markets. I know the IMF has studied this pretty well. And, you know, for small and open economies and major importers, uh, they're seeing their currencies really depreciate with respect to the dollar, which is mostly used as the base currency. Um, and it's making it even harder for them to maintain any sort of global purchasing power, which leads to further slowdowns in economic growth. Okay. From what I've read, that's that's typical though, isn't it? In very good times, mm -hmm. but also in, in times of recession, the, the US dollar yeah. does tend tend to get stronger. Is that correct? Yeah, it's uh it's a yeah, it's, it's that's like kind of one of the things, right? Is it's a very typical but also atypical time period, right? Where, you know, there's a lot of the macroeconomic trends, a lot of the supply chain issues are not sort of uh far off of what you would see during hard times globally. Um but uh you know with the drastic changes because of the pandemic and because of the recovery efforts that were going on that are now being impeded or uh that are having you know negative in like impacts on the global economy it's sort of just exacerbating issues like with london or with i'm sorry with england where you know the bank of england is a this is an, an extreme case you know uh announced that they'll be experiencing what is it five quarters of gdp decline beginning this autumn and uh, it's, you know, that's, I think, a very large cause for concern for people who live in that area. And it could have global impacts, but that's, I think, one particular case that is mostly experiencing that because of uh, the repercussions, you know, the economic repercussions in particular of Brexit, which has kind of exacerbated or been exacerbated by the pandemic. One term that keeps getting banded around at the moment is a, is a technical recession because this is an unusual recession. Um, what, what do you understand by the term technical recession? Yeah, so uh, as many people kind of know, the general rule of thumb that's often turned to is the two quarters of declining GDP, right? Um, you know, that's what's termed a technical recession. Um, however, as you kind of mentioned, you know, the, the US and the National Bureau of Economic Researchers who are or research, you know, who is kind of like the arbiter of, recessions and they always make the final call uh doesn't necessarily use that definition they use it's something along the lines of like a significant decline in economic activity uh that's spread across the economy um you know it's far less clear and clean cut than the two quarters rule um but you know it also does really allow for a wider range of monthly indicators to be used whenever making those sorts of calls we had some pretty interesting uh, numbers that that came out of uh, the U.S. jobs reports from July 22, uh, just a couple of days ago. Again, as we record this episode, um, and uh, the July U.S. jobs report numbers showed that payrolls actually increased by 528,000. Mm. So that's 528,000 additional jobs were added to the U.S. in just the month of July 2022. Now, that doesn't sound like any kind of recession to me. I don't know. I'm not the expert. Um, how is this potential recession, therefore, different from previous incarnations? So, for example, many jobs will remain in demand even as GDP mm -hmm. falls throughout any potential recession. But even if we got to that point, you know, where it was um, just jobs like developers would continue to be in demand, it seems like actually uh, we could have uh, a falling GDP, but jobs continue to go up or at least um, remain yeah. Uh, remaining in, in good stead throughout the next year. D tell us a bit about that. Yeah, so I think there are really 
uh, two key parts to answering, uh, you know, answering that. Like the first is, is sort of like, you know, what is uh, normal about this sort of uh, GDP outcome that we've seen. Right. So, you know, the, the decline in the U S in particular, like the last, uh, you know, the last quarter, really the result of three factors, right. There was, uh, you know, consumer spending fell partly because of inflation chipping away at consumer confidence and, making it, you know, making people a little more weary about spending their dollars. Uh, there was a decline in, uh, I believe it was non-residential and residential uh, investments, you know, basically in structures, uh, which, you know, not too surprising either with the Fed's increases in the interest rates, which is, you know, caused a lot of people to back off from uh, taking on new building projects. And then there was the largest, which was uh, inventory investment amongst businesses. Basically, businesses uh, produced far less than they sold, which, you know, sounds like it should be a good thing. But it also means that, you know, there's still supply chain issues that might be disrupting the their ability to get the just raw materials they need to produce things. Um, and then, you know, I think the second factor, which would be more of a, a demographic issue, um, meaning like, you know, the labor force participation rate is still, I think, roughly a whole percent below where it was uh, pre-pandemic and, uh, you know, in line with what you may have seen about people uh, taking in, taking on an early retirement, you know, uh, not just choosing to not return to the labor force, uh, you know, things like that. But, you know, there's also a, re a report I read by uh, the Center for Economic Progress about like 1.2 million people now qualifying as disabled due to COVID related complications. Um, you know, you couple that with sort of just the emotional shock of dealing with something like the pandemic and the way it impacted people's attitudes towards work. Um, you've seen a lot of sectoral shifts within the economy uh, and within the labor market with people moving between jobs and you know, there's a already declining trend in the labor force because of the aging population. Uh, so I, I think it's very uh, likely that you might start seeing more of uh, these sorts of phenomena where you do see, a, you know, a negative quarters of GDP in the future, but that are kind of these are kind of disassociated or dissociated with unemployment, um, much like we're seeing now. Okay, so just to be clear, the big elephant in the room here is that we're at the height of the um, the resignation uh, of boomers. You know, boomers are leaving the, the workforce right now, okay, because that generation are in their uh, mid-60s-ish on average um, this year, last year, next year. Um, this, is the, this is the peak of their retirement. So are you saying that's the one biggest factor? I think it's definitely, you know, it's it's been an ongoing trend that we've seen uh, as, yeah, you know, I, I know there's also some talk about unretirement or people coming out of retirement and those are, that's still definitely the case. Um, but just the overall decrease in the amount of people who are participating in the labor force, you know, once again, largely because of, yeah, uh, the, the boomer generation in reaching their retirement age and, you know, rightfully so looking forward toward, towards a retirement has definitely put some pressure on the labor market that we, you know, might see uh, continuing going forward. It sounds like there are a bunch of factors which are um, adding extra stress on what could otherwise be a pretty healthy economy right now. And, and there's perhaps mm -hmm. nothing fundamentally wrong with the US economy anyway, you know, but putting aside what's happening in Europe right now, it's, it sounds like the US economy is fundamentally healthy. So, 
here's mm. the big question for you. Okay, this is this is the big thing that I'm trying to get at at the moment when I'm when I'm chatting to, to colleagues and peers and friends <laughs> and, and and other folk, anybody who really listened, really, because I'm scratching my head about it. And um, I did an interview with a chap just last week, and um, and he got pretty angry actually because he said to me, Bill. People like you giving attention to this, we're, we're talking, you're helping us talk ourselves into a recession. So I guess my question <laughs> for you is, is, is that what we're doing? Are, are we talking ourselves into a recession? And just to add to, to my question there before you, before you do answer, what I mean by are we talking ourselves into recession mm -hmm. is there's general feeling that if the, the general popul population, the, the general public, uh, feel like a recession is going to happen, uh, then then they'll start saving they'll, they'll spend less money and then that's gonna <laughs> that's gonna be a nasty little uh cycle where actually we do perhaps go into uh into a recession what, what, what are your thoughts i think that calling a recession now uh right and calls to that we're in one now are just a little uh misguided because you know we don't see the type of job growth we've seen in the u.s in particular uh by all accounts you you know, historically, I believe it's like six months into a recession, uh, you've typically seen the unemployment rate increase by 0.3 percentage points. Uh, it's been going down steadily. Um, actually, you know, a, a good resource to look into this is the Dallas Fed, who put out a really good report on this, looking at historic trends and the sort of indicators that the National Bureau of Economic Research uses when uh, making the call of a recession, right? Uh, and most of them have outperformed what you would have expected three to six months into a recession. Um, so definitely right now, I think calls are a bit premature, but, you know, as you've mentioned, you know, sort of talking yourself into a recession, that's definitely a, a real concern and definitely has been something that's is kind of, is, you know, I think supported by economic history where, uh, you know, modern economic history prior to the, the great depression, right. You know, you, um, every economic downturn was a depression as far as i'm aware you know you didn't really have another term for an economic downturn and then people sort of had this you know ptsd sort of reaction when they heard depression which i think was pretty natural based off of the experiences they had um and so you know because of that we you know economists kind of had to find a way to ex you know talk about a downturn that was less severe which turned us on, you know, we, that's when we sort of started turning towards the word recession instead. Uh, and now as a consequence of sort of the great recession back in the you know, 07 to 09, and I think the pandemic recession, uh, a lot of people have the same sort of uh, visceral negative reaction when they hear that term as well. And um, given that the certainly, you know, the, the recent situation is a little more, uh, I don't want to say necessarily complicated, but it's, uh, not the typical sort of downturn you would expect from a recession because of the booming job market and the tight job market that we're continuing to see. It's, yeah, you know, the more people keep bringing it up, the more people keep talking about it, the more and more likely people are going to change their behavior, which in turn leads to the, you know, an increased probability of a recession later on. And yet, David, and yet, it's such a tasty topic. I can't resist talking about it and uh, sharing it with the audience. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if I'm playing a, a part in this, everyone. But um, I don't know. I feel like I, I, just, I just want to find answers for you. Um, okay, so so how, how should HR pros and leaders prepare for a potential downturn? Here we go again. We're talking ourselves into it. But if it does happen, <laughs> um, let's get ahead of it as much as possible. How, how, how can HR pros and leaders make sure that they are ready for a downturn? 
Yeah, I, you know, it's it's I think hard to sort of give a general answer because I, you know, because I think that um, every sort of, you know, industry will have to handle the impacts of a recession in a different way. Um, you know, you're still seeing a lot of ongoing recovery in things like leisure and hospitality, uh, where they're still in, in need of people. You know, you're still seeing uh, a lack of particularly the teachers in the U.S. or like healthcare workers. So, you know, um, those industries and companies within those industries and their HR teams, I think, will have to address those their specific needs um, as as they can. You know, it's funny. I was actually talking with my roommate about this. He uh, works in tech and works in a he works in the finance department of his his company. And we were just I was just kind of asking. I was like, you know, how is your company planning for a recession if there is one? You know, what are you guys doing? Are you guys you know planning layoffs? And he was just like, uh, you know, we we've been discussing it uh, and looking for places to cut if needed, but we just don't lay people off. That's not part of our company culture. Um, you know, so I think the best answer would just be that instead of waiting the, you know, to the last minute and frantically looking for places to cut spending or, you know, really consider the cost and impact of each benefit and, you know, what value do they bring to your employees? What does it, you know, how does it support your business needs and your, future business needs post-recession, if there is one, uh, you know, how important is it to your company's culture? Uh, you know, I, I, yeah, like you said, like, I think the best way to approach these situations of uncertainty is really just take some time to evaluate what's important to you, your team, and to your business before making any sort of rash decisions or, um, you know, really work with your team internally to make the best decision for you at that time. We sort of indicated earlier on that there will be some jobs that will probably remain highly in demand even if there is uh bad times ahead um such as developers of course the, the these folks get uh get headhunted and chased down and sourced like like nobody else probably but um what are, what other jobs can we expect to remain pretty recession proof over the next year or so yeah, so we, we actually discussed this in the, the report we're putting out pretty extensively. And that was one of the main uh, things we looked into was, you know, given that one might happen, what, you know, based off of current trends and future expectations for the labor market, what might we see uh, perform well and, or, you know, in terms of like job numbers and what might uh, kind of, you know, continue to see uh, lower numbers in general or uh, just less demand going forward. Um, so, you know, it, Focusing on the U.S. in particular, you know, healthcare is still in, you know, a, a rough shape right now and will still continue to need people. Um, teachers and education workers are definitely up there as well. It's, uh, local governments are still in, you know, finding it hard to uh, fill the teaching positions. Uh, and I know that there's a lot of, at least in, in my state, there's a lot of changing up of the necessary qualifications to be a teacher in some ways to help fill these positions because they're desperate for people. Um, but, you know, beyond that, like the compositional shifts in the labor market of people uh, before, you know, during or maybe after the pandemic switching between jobs or switching between industries, a, a lot of people had that sort of time to reflect and think about what they're looking for has left a lot of industries really just in need, like le leisure and hospitality, right? There's still, uh, you know, I, I think last month in July, there was a large gain for, uh, I think, food workers in particular, um, but, you know, these leisure and hospitality or like it's 
the the way the Bureau of Labor Statistics defines it is other services, but it's kind of just a catch all for, um, you know, things like laundry services and uh, hair, you know, hairstylists, which uh, is, you know, you wouldn't think is a huge part of the economy. But, you know, a lot of these people were uh, disastrously hit by the pandemic uh, and are still, you know, sort of in need of people. Uh, also, business and professional services is always growing. You know, there's an increasing need for data scientists, there's increasing need in particular for statisticians across the board, both within the private and the public sector. Um, you know, I, I think that there's still a lot of room for high job numbers, even uh, in a downturn. Okay, thank you very much. And how is Jovio helping its customers to prepare for uh, a potential recession? What, what, are you, what are you guys uh, doing to, to make sure that your customers are, are at a best place to, to still be competitive and, and uh, to find folk in the right places if things do get worse for particular types of jobs? Yeah, so I think the most important step we're taking is we're moving into a more consultative approach with our clients. Uh, you know, we've always tended to work very closely with them to address specific needs, but with, uh, you know, how tight the current labor market is and current trends, uh, we've found that establishing an even deeper partnership and, you know, assisting them in addressing the sort of particular geographic industry factors that are uh, you know, could have a good or bad impact on their hiring efforts has been extremely beneficial. Uh, you know, we also offer ways to help HR teams demonstrate their return on investment for looking for, when looking for candidates, uh, you know, on their employee search efforts uh, through offering things like funnel tracking or, you know, which allows us to uh, follow candidates through the hiring process, which provides their team with a, a good estimate of the actual, you know, cost it takes to find a potential hire uh, and the amount of time it takes for the candidate to go through the process. Uh, you know, we also are working with them to uh, deal with sort of the search frictions within the labor market that have been growing over the year, right? There's a, been a continual decline in sort of match efficiency, um, basically the process for employees and employer matching within the market. Um, and, you know, by working with our clients more closely on their, uh, their efforts, we're working with them to also address these issues and we'll, you know, I think that these will really continue to have a positive impact on the recruitment efforts. You heard it here first listeners. And just finally for today, David, how can our listeners connect with you? So maybe you want to, might want to share your email address, your LinkedIn, uh, you're much younger than I, so you're probably super cool <laughs> all over TikTok. Um, and also how can yeah. they learn more about all the cool things happening over at Jovio? Yeah, uh, definitely. You can find out more about Jovio in particular on the, you know, on Jovio.com or on our, our LinkedIn page. You can find me on LinkedIn as well. You can also email me at david.g at Jovio.com. Uh, so please feel free. Wonderful. Well, that just leads me to say for today, David, this has been a very interesting conversation. Um, I feel, I feel a little bit more prepared now than half an hour ago. That's for sure. So thank you very much <laughs> for being my guest on this episode of the HR Chat Show. Yeah, no, thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity and the time. And listeners, as always, until next time, happy working. Thanks for listening to this episode of the HR Chat Podcast. There are hundreds of conversations with business experts available for free on the HR Gazette website, Apple, Spotify, and all the main platforms. And remember to like, subscribe, and follow us on social media.